0: You are now listening to a Providence Community Church podcast. For more information, please visit providencetx.org. We will get into it. So, once again, uh, chapter 1, verse 28. Providence, this is the word of the Lord. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. The sixth day. This is God's Word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Okay, so just want to give a brief recap, just kind of what we, we talked about. And I want to answer the question, uh, why are we doing this series? And we've answered this every week, so I, I don't want to, uh, you know, just kind of bore you to death. Uh, but I am pretty good at being boring, so let's see how it goes. Uh, so it is our conviction that as Christians and Court mentioned this a lot last week in sermon, which I thought was so good, is that we need a foundation. We have to have an anchor. If we don't have an anchor, we're gonna be without the ability, right, to stay centered on our God-given purpose and what God has called us to do and who we are in Christ. And so we gotta answer this question, uh, who are we, right? What has God designed us? How has he designed us? What has he made us to do? All these things. And if we have this foundation, then in a situation like ours where we've seen the past decades our culture go from at least Christian-ish, right, uh, morally, all right, to, to, to something now where it's, it's very confusing for us, right, where, where Christianity is hated and you will be hated for believing. You are already hated for believing what you believe, right. And so uh, it's important that we have an anchor. We don't want the world to tell us where our anchor should be, but we need to know that it's found in the word of God, right. It's found in God and his design and having that. Man, that's, that's a, a ballast for our soul, right? That's a confidence we have, a confidence that we know what we believe, why we believe it, and why it's important to believe it. And we've got to know these things. And so we're answering two major questions about each text we go through in Genesis. And that is, what does this text tell us about God? And, and basically, how do we respond to that? Or what does it tell us about us so that we can move in action? And so that's my goal today. I want to be a little bit practical with us as we get towards the end of the sermon and just kind of how we live this out. Um, so... We talked about, and these are all tied together the past uh, two weeks and then today, but basically God created us in his image is the first thing we see in verse 26. Uh, and then it goes on to clarify in verse 27 that he made us distinctly male and female. We talked about uh, some of the differences there last week. And now God is going to give us uh, purpose. He's going to give us purpose in, in this text today. And uh, this is important for many reasons, so I'll get into in a second. But I, I do just want to pray one more time. I, I want to pray because... Uh, the timing we have, because the things we have going on at the end of service, it's like it's just like a drive-by sermon. Okay, uh, it's just going to be fast, and there's going to be some information that I want to give, but I'm going to try to make it as slow as possible. But I also want to pray because prayer is not a transition point; it's not what I'm doing here. Just really need God right when we get in the word. It's important we have His Spirit to empower us and open our eyes. So, if you wouldn't mind, let's just pray one more time together uh, as we jump into it. So, Father, we. Um, are so grateful for your word that we have an anchor God we have somewhere to look to know what to think about what's going on around us what to think about what's going on in our hearts and God you're so loving to do that to us we're we're so happy that you've given us purpose and meaning and God I know that the enemy desires us not to feel purpose, not to feel meaning in this life, because if we could just be distracted by any false purposes for our life, um, he laughs at that, God, because he thinks he's winning, but God, you've given us an anchor. We pray against the enemy, we pray against the forces that would uh, want us to be distracted right now and in life, and God, we pray that by the power of your spirit, this word today would become so clear You'd speak to us and change us and move us to action for the sake of your glory being spread throughout all the world. And we long to give our lives to that in whatever we do. So please help us right now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we got this cool word that's been made up recently that I want to talk about. Uh, I don't know exactly recently. Maybe someone in here could help me. But uh, nonetheless, it's this word called adolescence, all right? So... Some of you may be giggling at that because it, it's not always been that way. This thing of adolescence, it went from like being when you were like maybe a teenager. Now I think it's up from like 12 to like age 25, I think is our category of adolescence now. It just keeps getting bigger, all right? So next it's gonna be like, you're 40 and like, I'm still, still young. Uh, but the truth is, you're not, okay? That's, a, that's why they call 40 over the hill, okay? Because you're, you're saying you've made it to the top and now gravity is doing its work. I'm, just, I'm sorry. But the point is, uh, adolescence is something that is kind of man-made, if you will, uh, and it has allowed us now in the 21st century to prolong our uh, youthfulness, our laissez-faire attitude, maybe about life, and our just like inability to pinpoint our purpose and meaning and what we want to do. A good example is me. So uh, I, when I was growing up, right, I was uh, at a young age was taught a very foundational. Um, worldview about Christianity and then my my parents went through a divorce and uh, kind of as I grew I was kind of on my own just doing my thing uh, whatever I mean I was I was not like homeless I I had a mom and she loved me I don't mean that I just mean in my thought process you know I I wasn't kind of parented maybe in that way so uh, growing up I was like I know exactly what I want to do for the longest time I was going to be an architect it was going to be awesome I was like you know 10 years old just trying to draw houses on a piece of paper I was excited about it uh, but then as kind of high school went on, I got into other things and started listening to other boys who had all these great worldviews to, to adhere to. And uh, my, my worldview kind of shifted a little bit. And I was like, I started to do, I got really into sports. I loved it. Uh, I had some uh, track scholarships for pole vaulting, which is a very unique window, okay, because not many people pole vault or even know what that is. But it is one of the greatest feats of mankind. So you should... Uh, search that on YouTube later, pole vaulting. It's a really cool sport. So anyways, uh, I had a, kind of a scholarship there. And so my life went from being this architect and then off a whim, I shifted. I was going to be a, a pole vaulter, but I was going to go to school. I was going to be immersed. So I was, and I was going to do this in Alaska. So you guys see where my mind went, okay? It's like from this small town. And all of a sudden I was going to move to Alaska, pole vault for a college and become a male nurse and live in Alaska. And that was kind of my dream, just kind of live off the grid. And then that kind of kept shifting throughout. But my point is that, Uh, And in my state, uh, where I was there, I should not have been trusted to find my purpose and meaning in life is what I'm saying, okay? Um, But I think it highlights the importance that we, not only in teaching our children, but for us, especially at a young age, we need to find purpose, right? Life is short. As the Bible says, it's a mist, you're here today, you're gone tomorrow, and then what, right? I mean, it's short. And so finding purpose is important for us because we were created for a purpose. We spend until we're 25 just trying to feel our own way through life and find purpose. We're going to be sadly mistaken when we get to age 25. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be 35, then 45 and 55, and you're still going to be this adolescent attitude, right? It doesn't work that way. Um, but I do want to encourage us, too. If you're 70 in here and you've never really felt like you found a solid purpose in life, uh, it's not too late. It's not too late. All of us in here, no matter how young you are or old you are, you can find purpose, and God is giving us that by his grace today. And so it's important we look and say, what is it mainly that I made you?" Now, I'm not going to start prophesying and say you're going to be a teacher, this, that, um, but uh, I think we got to look at the overarching purpose. I don't know what you'll do career-wise or what you do career-wise or if you like it or hate it. I don't know, but the point is that no matter what situation we're in, we can find this just anchor of a purpose that drives us, that motivates us, that keeps us going. And I think this is especially important with our culture now. So that's what i want to talk about today. Um, I want to mention a few things. Uh, I want to say that you're not created for entertainment. You weren't created for popularity. You weren't created for hobbies. You weren't created for... Uh, some awesome career or fancy stuff or the American dream, and I could go on with the list. You could fill in the blanks. These things in their own right are not evil. I think they can be used for good. I think they can be good and awesome blessings from the Lord. Um, But they're not what you were created for. And I'm not going to argue today that we all should be monks or we should just kind of unnecessarily give up all of our stuff. But uh, I do pray something, however, and that is that we would have some crystal clear clarity about the nonsense that we give our passions in our life to crystal clear clarity from the word of God and that in having that that we would then turn to find the most joyful radical awesome purpose that we could ever have in our lives so that's my prayer today um let's go through it I love that it says this too um, I got four major points I want to go through. But right at the beginning of this text, it says, and God blessed them and then God said. And he's about to give this thing we call the cultural mandate or the, the creation mandate. But it says that God blessed them. And so I want to remind us, too, that God has blessed us with purpose. Like I pray for those in here who just don't feel a lot of sense of purpose uh, and maybe value in that in their lives, that you would just know that God blesses you today. He blessed us as he created us with, with purpose to give our lives to something greater than ourselves. And this is so important. Uh, psychology would agree with this, but um, we'll get into all of that. So let's start. Um, my first point is this, is that our purpose is God-centered. Our purpose is God-centered. It's in, God-centered in, in, in three ways, and it's this way. Um, one, it's for His glory. Two, it's in God's authority. And then three, it is sustained by God's hand. This is our purpose, okay? Let's go through this really fast. Um, one, it, it, you were created for God's glory. Steve Timmis. Kind of rough topic. He was the CEO of Acts 29. You can Google him later. I don't know what is there, but I want to quote him anyway. So um, I say that just in case I get judged for quoting Mr. Timmons. But this is one of the best quotes I've ever heard about our purpose, and this is what it says. Um, God's purpose has always been to have a people to himself. A people he displays his glory to and a people he displays his glory through. Uh, If you get one thing today, just write that quote down take it home, and I would be very happy. Okay, that's what we're created for. It's simply God's desire has always been to have a people for himself, that he could reveal his glory to and then reveal his glory through. And I want to see this in the picture here in Genesis 1. God creates them, and he blessed them, and he tells them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion and basically cultivate this idea of the garden to the ends of the world. And he does this for his glory. God was not bored or lonely when he created us. He had a plan, a purpose, and that was just to display his glory. And it's the best thing he could have ever done. Um, It's awesome. So we exist for his glory. This is our purpose. This is what we were created for, to spread his glory to the entire world. We also see that God uh, basically commissions them in his authority. Just as God has dominion, right, and subdues anything and everything because he is the top being. So also he gives man in his image the ability to have dominion and subdual over the earth and to create this continuing. So it's in God's authority that we get this call. And then lastly, it's sustained by God uh, because you see right there it says that God's give every green plant. He's given all the fruit with all the seed in it, and God says, basically, I've given you this for food. He's going to sustain them. He's going to provide for them food. Now, I know when I read that, some of you in here that may be vegan were like, yes, amen, right? All the plants, all the fruit. We could argue about meat and animals, but suffice it to say, God provides. He provides. Uh, And so just like we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, God's given us the faculties to know him and do what he's called us to do. And so it's in God's provision and for his glory and by his authority that we exist and can therefore experience that glory and spread it to the ends of the earth. So the first thing is is that it's God-centered. Secondly, our purpose is global. Our purpose is global. God was not content to keep this glory thing going on in the garden, but rather He said, "Spread this. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue all of it, have dominion, make the rest of the world like the garden, cultivate it, and spread it." So it's global. We've got to have a global mindset. I know we're like, don't mess with Texas, right? But we should be, don't mess with the world, right? We've been given a commission that involves the entire world. And I won't necessarily go into this for the sake of time. I think it may have some environmental implications of how we treat the planet and stuff. Uh, but I think more so we'll see that maybe this is more of a focus on people. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so it is global, okay? It's global. God's got uh, this big plan to spread. And, and we're going to see this in our purpose here. The third thing is that our purpose is fruitful. And I mean this in two ways. Your purpose by God is fruitful both in nature and in its outcome. In nature and its outcome. I mean by nature is that's actually what God told us to do is to be fruitful. God said, be fruitful, multiply, have babies, have lots of babies. We as Christians should have babies. I think it's a good thing. Uh, And if we can't have babies, We should wrap our arms around other babies and love those babies. But God said, be be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. There's this this growth and and reproduction that happens in our purpose. And then it's also fruitful. I just want to mention that God's going to see his purposes to the end, right? God's going to do what he's going to do. That's why uh, we see in the New Testament, it says basically if if people won't worship God, even make these rocks cry out, right? God's going to fulfill his purposes. His purposes will not be thwarted. They will be completed And by God's grace, we will be a part of them. So they're fruitful. And then lastly, and this is where I want to kind of really rest and spend our time, is that uh, our purpose finds its fullness in Jesus Christ. Our purpose finds its fullness in Jesus Christ. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I think that as we see uh, the covenants and as God makes covenants with his people throughout the Bible, that we see this linear kind of thing happening from this moment here in Genesis Uh, to all of God's covenants with his people that continues until we get to Matthew 28. I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, But let's look at a few things. So I'm going to give you, uh, this is my Bible in two minutes, okay? Uh, it's probably not going to be two minutes, so that was a lie, but it's my Bible in a short amount of time. Okay, here's what happens. So God makes Adam and Eve, and then he blesses them, right, to be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. He gives them this great, grand, glorious purpose to go and do this thing. And then we get two chapters in, right, the fall happens, sin enters the world. Adam and Eve decide to sin and kind of really mess up a lot of things, Uh which we don't have time to get into, but it kind of messes up the world, as you can see, right? And, and purpose becomes kind of broken a little bit and a little distorted. And so what happens is people multiply on the earth, and then God decides one day, this has gotten out of hand, this is crazy, this is, this is not going good, uh, which he knew that was going to happen. Um, but he decides to kill everybody on the face of the earth except for about seven-ish people right and he does that and we know the story of the flood and God destroys mankind and starts over with Noah and and Genesis chapter 9 God tells Noah the same thing he told Abba and Eve which is go be fruitful multiply and fill the earth and as we see life goes on we get to Abraham God makes a covenant with Abraham who him and his wife were both dusty and old I think I could say that Um, and they were too old to have babies but God says through you I'm going to multiply. I'm going to make nations through you, right? They're going to be as as much as the sand on the sea or the stars in the heavens. I'm going to build a people through you and those people, Genesis 12, right? uh, And you will be a blessing to all the people. I love that. So once again, God is looking through people to show his glory and spread his glory, right? And this continues on. We get this in Moses in Exodus chapter 6. We see that God kind of gives this unique call to Moses that he's going to rescue the people out of the burden from Egypt because they were in slavery. And God's going to establish them as a nation. He's going to give them this nation he promised that's flowing with milk and honey, right? And the story continues. We get to David, right? And King David, God once again establishes the temple and his presence with his people. And the list goes on and on. And then eventually we get to Matthew 28. And I want you to see the parallel things going on here. So let's look at verse 18. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." There's a lot of things I want to say about this text, but I think it's better left for a sermon about that text, so maybe we can do that this year. But one thing, uh, I just want to mention the parallelisms here. So I would say one that uh, we see Jesus call for us here is, once again, it's global, right? Uh, It's not just go to your neighbor, but it's let's go to all nations, right? We're going to go to all nations and make disciples. And so this is a global thing going on. Uh, It's fruitful, right? Uh, Now, we don't get the explicit command to to be fruitful through baby making, but this is be fruitful through making disciples, right? It's this reproducing that was going on, same thing in Genesis. So make disciples, go, do this. And then also it's God-centered, right? Jesus being God says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, right? The true and better Adam who really fulfilled the cultural mandate is Jesus Christ, And then now, that true and better Adam, Jesus Christ, with all the authority and dominion he has, he gives us that authority and dominion through him and says, go and do this. Make disciples, right? And then he says at the end, and behold, I am with you, the God-man who has all authority. I'm with you to the end of the age. So we have this, this confidence, right, in Jesus Christ and what he's given us to do. So, I wish I had more time to explain things, but this is what I want to say as we get into some application here. I just want to say I want you to see that our purpose finds maybe its culmination and clarity about our everyday lives in Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is now we understand a little more. What does it mean that God's going to reveal his glory to us and through us? Well, that means we're going to experience the glory of God in the gospel and therefore spread that gospel to the ends of the earth, right? That's what it means. We spread that gospel to the ends of the earth. And so how does he display his glory through us? By us knowing him, walking with him, being made in his image, and preaching the precious gospel of Jesus Christ to the outermost parts of the world. And I think this has implications in so many ways. We should be global Christians, not, you know, insular Christians. But we don't have time to get into a lot of that. So this is your purpose. If I could state your purpose, it's you are going to experience the glory of God and spread the glory of God through the gospel of God. That is your purpose. Write that down. Write that on your mirror. Put that wherever you need to put that. That is why you exist, and that is what we should give our lives to. Now, I want to get into a little bit of application with the time that we have left um, about maybe what this looks like a little bit, maybe. I'm not the best at application. I'm just talking with someone about this, but we're going to try to give this a whirl. Now, one thing I, I do want to say is, I think I'm at risk here uh, for maybe being overdramatic or maybe being perceived as being dramatic, and I'm willing to take that risk because I'm all about it, okay? Now, I'm aware um, that this is a possibility, but I-, I would disagree about this being dramatic. I think if we believe what we really believe about God, about hell, about eternity about what's at stake and the realities and the warfare that we experience against principalities and darkness and the enemy, um, I don't think we could take this serious enough. I think no matter what we do, no matter what we say, we could not be more joyfully serious about what we're talking about here and what we're doing. And I only say that because, like I mentioned in my prayer before, I think the culture in which we, we live is... Got a lot of good things about, a lot of bad things about. We talk about that all the time. I don't think it's all bad. I think we're a happy people in the West. Maybe not because we're so depressed too. But I mean, generally, like we like watching YouTube and laughing kind of happy. You know what I mean? And so I think with our jolliness, there does come a potential struggle to maybe not take as serious some of the things we should about the Bible and about our purpose and about um, how we live our lives. And so uh, my prayer, like we said at the beginning, is, is not that you would just throw all of your life away because obviously the only thing you can do is be on the mission field and you're not being a true Christian. That's not my prayer for you. Uh, I mean, I do pray you go on the mission field for sure uh, because Jesus says you have the greatest joy there, I think, but um, my prayer is that we would have this crystal clarity about some of the nonsense that myself uh, and I think all of us probably give our lives to at least at one point or the other. So at risk of being dramatic, here we go. Um, There's kind of three major applications I want to point to. The first one is that um, we shouldn't be distracted by false purposes. It's an application. And I kind of mean this for all, and we'll get into some of this with the family and stuff too, but we should not be distracted by false purposes. Look at me. There are a thousand things you can give your life to that sound great and maybe even have a Christian sticker on them, but they're not what you should give your life to. I mean, there's so many great things. There's so many things we could name but don't be distracted by false purposes. Everything must find its center in God and his purpose or it is off center. Okay. It must find its center in God or it's off center. So my first encouragement is may we lean into this glorious God-given purpose we have and not let our modern thought or distractions keep us from spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. I want to do a quote from Jim Elliott um, if you've read any Jim Elliot, or you've heard about his story. He's just an extreme man. He just makes me look so small, right? Not because he was tall, though he was tall, but because uh, just his life. I mean, his commitment to the Lord is just amazing. Um, and last night, I was, I was actually just kind of stirred up about this last night. I was watching The End of the Spear, if you ever watched it. It's not really a good Hollywood movie, like in regards to, you know, acting. But it is a great story. And briefly, Jim Elliott's story was that him and four other men... Uh, were kind of from all different parts of the states, ended up in Ecuador, and they all had it on their hearts um, to reach uh, the the Ayuca tribe, which had, by and large had no contact with foreigners, the outside world, and so they lived like they were living probably a 1,000 years ago. This was in the 1950s. Uh, They were a violent tribe. Uh, It was known among them that most of them, most of the men especially, never lived to be grandparents because they would be killed before then. There's a lot of revenge going on with the different tribes. They hated each other. Famous for spears, why the movie's called End of the Spears, uh, or End of the Spear, rather. And, and, and they were just violent. But these guys had on their heart. They said, man, we want to go and we want to share the gospel because Jesus deserves to be glorified here in this village and to the ends of the world. And so they had a lot of talks with their families and basically decided they were willing to give their lives to this. They decided that they would bring a gun when they actually got to meet them, but they would not shoot them. They would only shoot it in the air to scare them. Uh, and so they said, if we were going to be attacked, we will not fight back. Which I know a lot of us are like, heck no, I'm Texas, I got my gun, I'm fighting back if they attack me. That is, that is moral cause, right? And I'm not going to argue either way, this is what they decided. This is a conviction the Lord put on their hearts. They decided, we're ready for heaven, and the Yucca tribe is not ready for heaven. And so they decided, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go, if they attack us, so be it. We'll shoot, hopefully they run. If they don't, God be glorified. And so they said bye to their families. They went, and you guys know the story and where this is going. They were all stabbed to death. Um, the gun did not work. Uh, they were all killed. Uh, all of them were around the age between 28 and 32. And so pretty short life. But uh, basically, long long story short is um, the attitude that specifically Jim Elliott had and some of the others, uh, he was serious about what he believed. He's got many one-liner quotes that would just make you feel like you're not a Christian. But I thought this one was good as we approach life and as we be careful not to be uh, drawn into some... Uh, false purposes. He said this, he said, we are so utterly ordinary, so commonplace, while we profess to know the uh, power the 20th century does not reckon with, but we are harmless and therefore unharmed. We are spiritual pacifists, non-militants, conscientious objectors in this battle to death with principalities and powers in high places. Meekness must be had for contact with men, But brass outspoken boldness is required to take part in the camaraderie of the cross. We are sideliners. Coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers. Why content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged? The world cannot hate us. We are too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. I love that. That God would make us dangerous. You and I should be dangerous. We should. Because of what we believe in the God we claim to know, right? We know him. We have the faculties to know the God of the Bible, the God of the universe who has created us and given us purpose. Therefore, our purpose should at least reflect that. And I know, I mean, all the talk of like military and being pastors and all this stuff, he's not saying we should be violent. He's just saying there is a real battle. And Paul warns us about this over and over again, right? There's a battle that's not against flesh and blood it's against principalities and world powers and darkness that we are fighting in every single day. And it's been the enemy's win in the 21st century to, to help us believe that there's not really a battle going on, right? I, I mean, I exclude myself in this, but I don't know how many times I wake up thinking it's a battle today, right? It's a battle today for the gospel to be spread, for victory to be won, for the glory of God. But We should wake up every single day and feel that. That's why we get so excited about stories like this. Like, if you've ever, and you may not be into this, it's maybe too geeky for you, maybe on another side, but uh, if you like reading World War II stories or or you like Lord of the Rings or like, I mean, if you think about the scene of The Hobbit, I mean, I won't even get into it. I love so many things. But um, my point is, why are we into that, right? When when there's like a, a, a heroism story where this nice guy just comes in and fights back and the darkness loses, why are we happy about that why does that draw us into feeling like man this is awesome because you are really in a situation like that yeah it looks a lot different you're not going to be medieval with a sword but some people do that but you will be um, in the army of God fighting and so there's a purpose here that I think we should consider but let's get into some more application second point is not only should we not be distracted by false purposes but we need to build purpose into our lives And I want to flesh this out in a few ways. One is for families, like husbands. uh, It is your responsibility. It's your joyful responsibility to lead with zeal and purpose in your home. It's purposeful. What you're doing, the fight for godliness, the fight for leading your family, the fight to get up and go to work every day, everything that's involved in your life should be with zeal and with purpose. Don't do aimless things. A bored man is a dangerous man, as they say, right? It's important. And wives, equally as important, as you help in the leading of your home, as you seek to cultivate uh, this life of joy in God and purpose in life, in your home and in the workplace and throughout the world, it is so important that we keep this in mind and we have purpose. Even children right now in here, it is important that you have purpose obey your parents, right, this is pleasing to the Lord, but live with purpose, find purpose, ask God for purpose, it's important. Let's talk about work, Todd in accounting, you have purpose, all right, I say Todd because I don't know Todd, so if you're Todd, you're welcome, but go to work on purpose, work is not an accident, Work was created before the fall. There is fruitful work that we endeavor in. Go to work on purpose. Go to school on purpose. You have purpose. Not everyone is going to be a missionary or a pastor or a minister. This is not God's design. This is not God's plan. It may be God's plan for some of you, but it's not God's plan for everybody. So I'm not saying, like I said earlier, that y- y- you have to like be a missionary and spend your full time doing quote-unquote missions, maybe vocationally. But what I do want to remind us is that God is going to use you in the most ordinary circumstances for the most extraordinary purposes. God is going to use you in the most ordinary circumstances for the most extraordinary purposes. So I know it's easy. Like you see this grand purpose that the Bible lays out for you and then you think about your life and then you say, Man, something doesn't add up, right? Like, I am not that, like, glorious, okay? I'm just having trouble getting my pants on. I'm going to work, right? Uh, apart from that, um, God's going to use you in the most ordinary circumstances for the most extraordinary purposes. We've got to believe that. It's what the Bible says about us. Now, it's not because we're great. It's not because we're awesome. But it's because God's grace, he uses us in that way by the power of his spirit. So pray every morning before you engage with the world that God would remind you of your calling that God would set your faith to serve him, to give up your life. Jesus promised, right? If you try to keep it, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for his sake in the gospels, you'll find it. Remind yourselves of that every morning and pray that God would use you by showing you his glory and revealing his glory through you every single day. Last way of application is know the purpose maker. Know the purpose maker. There's no better way to find purpose than knowing the one who created your purpose in the first place. Know God. Spend time with him. This is so, we don't do this often, at least a lot of us, including myself in that, right? We don't spend time with God. Just get alone with God. Grab your Bible and pray to him, God, fill me with purpose. God, I want to serve you. I want to have purpose in my life. It's so important. And so what I want to do, we, we're... Um, we're negative in the time now. We've got some things we want to do after we respond in worship here. So um, I want to leave you with one more quote, and I just want to pray together. I want to pray that God would help uh, make clear what he's saying to us today, that God would just infuse us with purpose. again. I mean, i um, got so many things I could say, but God gives you meaning. You're creating God's image. He gives you meaning. He gives you purpose. He gives you something to give your life to. So do it. Say with the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 24, that he doesn't count his life of any value or precious to himself, but only that he might finish his course and complete the work that God's given him to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's our prayer this morning. So if you wouldn't mind, just stand together, and I'm going to read this last quote from Jim Elliott again, and um, I just want to pray this over us, and then we'll respond in worship. Here's what he said, knowing his story. This is pretty cool, that God gave him the chance to live it out. He says, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life, and may I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, um, thank you for giving us purpose, for allowing us, Lord Jesus, to know you, to know you, the only true God. Thank you for fulfilling the law perfectly for us, that we might be saved forever. And God, thank you for um, giving us this gospel-centered, God-centered purpose in our lives. And we simply pray with Jim Elliott, God, would you light these idle sticks of our lives and let them burn for you? They're idle and pointless without you, God, but if you light them on fire, oh, the impact that we could have on the world. And God, we don't desire a long life. We don't desire our best life now, but we desire a full life like you, Lord Jesus, a life full of purpose and meaning and drive that the gospel might spread to the ends of the earth. God, don't let us be content with making sure our 401k is fine and we have a nice house. Those things are good, but God, they're not the main drive of our purpose. You are the main drive of our purpose, and we repent for the things that we give our lives to sometimes, Lord, the things that we value above ultimately what we should value, which is you. So God, change us. Help us to walk as you walk and help us to find a God-centered, gospel-saturated purpose that we might drive forward in life, enduring suffering, because we know glory's coming. And we ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.